0: Take your Bibles now and open them to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Tonight we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8, a message I've simply entitled, Giving Thanks. And uh, you may know, you may not, but uh, most likely you know that uh, this week is Thanksgiving week, right? It's coming, it's here upon us. It's hard to believe that's almost Thanksgiving. Time really passes by quickly. Well, giving thanks should be as common for us as Christians as breathing. Now, you've breathed all day today. And I guarantee you, until now, you've not thought about it. It's just natural, right? You're alive, at least I think most of you are. You're alive and you're breathing. It's just natural. It happens because you're human and you're alive. Thanksgiving should be the same way. We as Christians should be thankful people because we have been changed by the power of God. Unfortunately, Christians sometimes fail to give thanks because they become so burdened by the circumstances of life. Circumstances, when they're bad, can steal our joy, if we're not careful, and rob us of the need that we have to see reasons for being thankful and expressing thanksgiving. When we are thankful, it is evidence that God is at work in our lives and we recognize it. Here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, we discover that the apostle Paul is giving thanks. He's beginning his his uh, letter to the Colossian Christians with thanksgiving at the very beginning. What an appropriate thing to do to give thanks at the beginning of everything we do. Well, he's expressing thanksgiving even though he's in a very difficult situation. He's imprisoned and the reason is because of preaching the gospel message. The primary reason he wrote this letter was to deal with false doctrine that was threatening the Colossian church. His circumstances were certainly less than favorable, to say the least. Nevertheless, even in difficulty, Paul was able to give thanks. Let me ask you a question. Are you a thankful person? Are you a thankful person? Or do you allow the circumstances of your life... To determine whether or not you're going to express thanksgiving i mean if things don't go your way or are you going to get mad and poke your lips out and pout and become mad at the world when you do that and when i do that what happens is we fail to recognize that god is sovereign in our lives and that even though we're going through difficulty as human beings all do we have many reasons for which to be thankful Here the Apostle Paul, being persecuted as he was, was expressing thanksgiving. If he was able to give thanks, shouldn't we? So we need to be more like the Apostle Paul and give thanks even in times of trial. In order to help us do that, I want us to walk through these verses for the next few minutes. And I want to show you three things from this passage about thanksgiving that we need to incorporate in our lives and practice them daily. First of all, we see the expression of thanksgiving. I take you now to verse 3. Again, we're in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Notice he expressed thanksgiving to God. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that appropriate? I mean, God has given to us life. He's given to us so many things for which to be grateful, and we should express that thanksgiving. I like the way James says it in the book of James. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. That is, God is holy and just. He doesn't cast a shadow. He's bright and pure in all of His ways. And he lavishes upon us good gifts. Now you may say, well, you don't know the circumstances of my life. God has given me a raw deal. You know what I've discovered through my life is that when things happen that are bad, we tend to want to blame God for it. But when things happen in our lives that are good, we take credit for it ourselves. What you need to understand, and I need to realize, is that we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen when you have a world in rebellion against God. And that's not God's fault. You say, well, couldn't God stop uh, what is happening? Oh, sure, he could, he could wipe out all the sinners in, in, in one moment time and uh, eliminate it. But he is a God of grace having given us the free will to choose whether or not we would obey him, we've all gone astray. We've all sinned against him. And that sin brings about negative consequences, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of people around us. The world is impacted in a negative way whenever we sin. Even in this church, when there's a member that is sinning in this body, The whole body to some degree will suffer. But God gives us free will to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions bring about negative results. But the good thing is, even though God allows us that freedom to make decisions, and sometimes we make bad decisions that bring about bad consequences. The Bible says that God works in everything to bring about good to those who love God who are the called according to his purpose. So even though we may make bad decisions that bring bad results, God can still turn around bad decisions and bring some good out of it if we trust him, if we walk in his way. But don't get hung up and think, well, God's given me a bad deal because bad things have happened in my life and some negative consequences have come my way. You're not home yet. This is is not your home. This is not the, the final destination. God has a place and plan for you. Keep your eyes focused on him. Keep walking by faith. Walking by faith means that you obey God even when the circumstances are not good. So our thanksgiving should be focused on God. We are to express thanksgiving to God. Everything we have that is good in life comes from him. Now, stop for just a moment and think about all the things for which you should be thankful. My goodness, the list is long, isn't it? What if God did not give us tomorrow only the things that we're thankful for today? If God did not give us tomorrow the things we're not thankful for, but He only gave us the things we're thankful for today, what would we have Many of us would be like paupers. Many things that God gives to us, we don't even recognize. And and we've just taken it to to mean that we deserve it. Think, Think about the clothes that you have on right now. You all are dressed nicely. I assume that you have some more clothes back home somewhere in the closet, especially you ladies. And shoes, my goodness, the shoes that people have. Did you know there are many people in the world, they don't have one pair of shoes? They don't have a floor if they have a house. Some people don't have a house. There will be many people in the world who will go to bed hungry tonight not because they haven't eaten anything today. Some will go to bed sick because they drank contaminated water today. If you've not eaten supper yet, you've not eaten supper, after the the service is over, you're going to get in the car and you're going to say to your wife, what do you want for supper? And she'll say, well, I don't know, what do you want? You'll say, well, it doesn't matter to me. Well, she'll say, well, why don't we go down to uh, McDonald's? You'll say, I don't want to eat there. And you'll talk for about 15 minutes trying to decide what you're going to have for supper. We get to choose what we are going to eat in our mealtime. Think about it whatever you want. You have the choice. What a blessing that is. How many times do we stop and say, God, thank you for my food, rather than just in a hurried way. And and sadly, there's some people, even Christians, who sit down and eat a meal without even stopping to acknowledge that it's from the hand of God. You know what a good remedy for that would be? To have to miss some meals. And we would not miss then giving thanks to God. We should be thankful for these things. You all have homes to live in. Most of you know we do have some on occasion some homeless folks who visit with us. And what a, what a blessing that is when we have they, them come to us. And we have numerous ministries here trying to help folks who are impoverished and who are homeless. And I'm thankful for those who work in those ministries. But most of us have a home have a nice warm bed to crawl into tonight. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? And all the conveniences of life, transportation, jobs, resources in abundance, educational opportunities. If you don't like one job, you can look for another one. If you go to one doctor and you're not pleased with the results, you don't like the service, go to another one. You have an option. Think about the blessings god has bestowed upon us it's only right that we stop and give god credit and when we give god thanks we're giving him credit so notice thanksgiving expressed to god and it's expressed through prayer he says here we give thanks to god the father of our lord jesus christ praying always just in a constant spirit of prayer I want to challenge you, as I remind myself, why don't we begin to go through the day and just be thankful? Now, we all tend to be critical. If there's something we don't like, we're we're quick to speak up about it. Why don't we try to reverse that and start being thankful? And everything you see that uh, you realize is a blessing or a gift, God, thank you for that sunrise today. What a beautiful day. sunrise it is. You're such a a great artist. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for the leaves as they're changing color, how beautiful they are. Thank you for the eyes to see these things. Thank you for my family, my friends, for this job, for that cantankerous boss of mine that's always after me. Lord, I even thank you for him, that you're using him to, to change me, to help me to become more and more like you and, and show patience, Lord. And you've given me the opportunity to live out the gospel before him. What if our lives should just, rather than being so critical and negative, what if we could all work toward being thankful and express thanksgiving and pray constantly in a spirit of prayer and then express thanksgiving for people? He says he's praying always for you. And this is in the context of thanksgiving. He's thanking God for these people. He's heard about their faith, their reputation, and he is expressing thanksgiving to God for them through prayer, and he's thanking them as well. I think we need to to practice that. We need to express thanksgiving. I know that uh, sometimes uh, we as parents or grandparents will tell our children when they're real small, we'll remind them, we'll say something like, uh, "Now, now what do you say when someone has given them something? now what do you say and they'll say uh thank you now they don't understand really what it means to be thankful at that point but we're trying to teach them to learn to be thankful to to recognize blessings and express thanksgiving god is trying to teach us to be thankful there are many reminders as this is one of them to be thankful the lord is saying now what do you say He's trying to teach us as a loving Heavenly Father to be thankful for what we have. So that's the expression of thanksgiving. Then notice the motivation for thanksgiving. Look at verses 4 and 5. There's the motivation of faith in verse 4. There's the motivation of love in verse 4. You may want to circle these. And then there's the motivation of hope in verse 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter, the Bible speaks about three Christian graces, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith is something that is necessary when we're walking today in the shadows, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and, and things can't be clearly seen We've not arrived home yet. We're in this fallen world and there are calamities take place and disappointments and failures and weaknesses and all the things we have to contend with. We're walking by faith, not by sight. But there will be a day when we will realize it will become a reality what we have had faith to see because we will be in the presence of the Lord. And then there's hope. Hope keeps us moving, right? Right? Uh, we have this certain expectation of what God is going to do, and it, it gives us this, this sense of courage to go on, to push through in difficult times as we look to the blessed hope of our Lord's return and our eternity with Him and all the promises that He has given to us. So hope is important, but there will come a day where hope will, will not be, be needed. Isn't that right? And that's why the Bible says there in that passage in First Corinthians chapter 13, Faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love because love is something that's enduring. That's something we will continue to express even when we get to the other side. We'll be able to express love to God and to one another. These are motivations, though, for us today to be thankful. And let's see these in a little bit bit more detail. Verse 4, he talks about the motivation of faith. Since we heard of your faith... In Christ Jesus. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Here Paul was saying that faith is a motivation for thanksgiving. The fact that he, from a prison cell, has heard about their faith in the Lord and how that they're growing in that faith, it's been an encouragement to him. He's thankful for it. It, it has caused a, a reaction from within, a, a supernatural reaction. But yet human reaction. Human in that Paul was a, was a man like you and I are human beings. But supernatural in that God was working in him and through him and giving him this great sense of thanksgiving as he surveyed their faith. Let me tell you, when you look at the people of God and you see faith in times of difficulty, trial, and, and all the things that we go through it's a great reason to be thankful. It's a great motivating factor because faith is essential for salvation. Did you know that without faith, you can't be saved? You have to have faith in Christ to be saved. Isn't that true? You trust Christ. You give your life to Him. That's an expression of faith and you receive His gift of salvation. And faith is then evidenced through service. We evidence our faith through faithfully serving God and serving other people. So this motivation of faith is a reason to be thankful. And then there's the motivation of love. Verse 4 goes on to say, and the love which you have for all the saints. He's commending their love here. This love is a sacrificial love. It means that you you put the well-being of others ahead of your own. You're concerned about the needs of other people ahead of your own. You don't always have to have your way. It's not about you. You don't even have to be recognized. It's about other people. And giving your life to others. And and Jesus has has taught us that when we humble ourselves, when we're willing to serve like he demonstrated there before he... uh, enjoyed the Passover with his disciples in the upper room when he served them by washing their feet he was demonstrating to them a picture of what was about to transpire on the cross and that is love in action and he tells them you go and do likewise he released them to love love is a great motivating factor and And here he he heard about their love, this sacrificial love and this love that was shared. Love has never been intended to be kept to ourselves. Love has always been intended to be shared. Just as God demonstrated his love for us and that he sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God intends for us to share our love with others and demonstrate that love. So there's the motivation of faith, there's the motivation of love, and then we see the motivation of hope. Verse 5, he says this, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Here he speaks about they're, they're looking forward to what God has in store. You know, I've heard people say all my life this saying, Don't be so heavenly-minded. Some people are more so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good. I've never met a human being, I've never met a Christian that's been too heavenly-minded. I've met many, many Christians who are too earthly-minded, too worldly-minded. If you meet a Christian that's too heavenly-minded, be sure you introduce that person to me. I want to meet him or her. Because most of us tend to be worldly. Not too heavenly, but too worldly. And here he says, Paul is speaking about his thanksgiving for them. And one reason he's thankful for the Colossian Christians is because of the love. And because of the faith. And verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So, so this hope was something they were anticipating. And don't you think that don't you think that the apostle Paul was so appreciative to God for the hope that he had within him, not just in seeing what was happening in the lives of these Colossian Christians, but also the fact that he was in that prison house being persecuted, and being able to look beyond the circumstances of the moment and see that God had a great thing in store for him in the future, that this world was not all that there is. Folks, listen. Hold the world loosely. Don't don't hold to this earth as if this is all that there will ever be, where you build your castles in the sand down here. Look to that promised land that God has intended for us and the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, Jesus, I can guarantee you, he's coming in your lifetime. Jesus is coming in your lifetime. It will be through the rapture, or it will be at the end of your life through death. He will call you, but he's coming for you, either through the rapture or through death. Amen? Jesus is coming. This world is not always going to be like it is with the division and the hatred and the strife and the crime and the drugs and the the abuse and all the rest. It's not always going to be this way. When King Jesus is on the throne, I'm telling you it's going to be ruled differently than it is today. We have that heavenly hope and we're looking for Jesus to come. This is a great motivation to express Thanksgiving, this is a a reserved hope. God has reserved something for us. I went went down to the Georgia Baptist annual meeting. uh, Sonny and I did this last week. And uh, before I arrived, I had Kay Atkins, my secretary, to call ahead and she made some reservations for me so that I knew when I arrived at Warner Robbins. I would have a room because reservations were made. I was looking forward to having a room that night. Good, good thing because it rained all the way down there. It, it came a, a flood all the way from, from Cartersville to Warner Robins. So I was glad to get a good dry place to lay my head that night, but it was reserved ahead of time and I was looking forward to it. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has reserved a place for you. He told his disciples in John chapter 14, he said, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas said unto him, Lord... We don't know where you're going, and how do we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have a place reserved for us. Now, you may feel out of place at times. You may feel like you don't have a place. You don't fit in. But let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you do fit in. Christ has a place for you, and this is a motivation for Thanksgiving. Uh, That old hymn that tells us, count your blessings, name them one by one count your blessings, see what God has done. There's something about counting your blessings that causes a wellspring of joy to bubble up in your heart and spill over onto other people. If you spend all your time looking at the negative and thinking about things you don't have and, and bemoaning the situation you're in, the opposite will be true. Rather than joy bubbling up, your joy will be stolen You'll lose that sense of joy and expectation, and you will become a sour person. God doesn't want you to, to reflect that. You're a walking billboard. When other people look at you, they make a determination as to whether or not they want what you have. And if you look like you're overcoming a hookworm treatment every day when you confront people, don't expect them to want to follow your Jesus. Be thankful. So there's the expression of thanksgiving. There's the motivation for thanksgiving. And then finally, notice the foundation, the foundation for thanksgiving. We see this in verses 6 through 8. He mentions the message of the gospel in verse 6. He says, which has come to you. He mentioned the gospel, remember, in verse verse 5. But it goes on and says, which has come to you, speaking about the gospel, just as in All the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit. So, the gospel is what transformed the the Christians there at Colossae. It was the gospel. What's the gospel? It's good news. It's good news. Now, you can be thankful for good news, right? It's good news. The good news is, even though we're sinners, we deserve death and hell because, folks, let me tell you, we're all sinners. And you and I don't realize just the perversity of our sin. We do not understand just how far we've fallen. Now, you may not be as bad in your behavior as you potentially could be. But before Jesus, your position is that you are separated from God because you are in rebellion against Him. And if it were not for the intervention of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and you receiving his free gift of salvation through faith you would be in your sin you would be bound for hell but because of his intervention he has saved you and the gospel is that even though you and i are sinners jesus christ is the savior he lived without sin died on the cross so he could bear our sin our death our hell our punishment And then after his death, victoriously being raised, and anyone who will acknowledge their sinners and by faith receive Jesus, they'll be forgiven of their sins and placed in a right relationship with God. That's the gospel. And that's the message we share. That's the message of the gospel. And uh, this gospel message, it multiplies. He's speaking that here. He says, which has come to you, just as unto all the world also, it is constantly what? Bearing fruit. The gospel bears fruit. That's why you plant the seed of the gospel. Jesus told parables about planting the seed of the gospel, remember, in the various soils. The gospel has power. The seed of the gospel has power to explode in growth. But you got to plant the seed. And here he's speaking about the fruitfulness of the seed. So, so, the gospel message can multiply and it, it matures just as that seed is planted and grows. It bears fruit and, and bears more seed exponentially. It can spread. That's what happens when we see uh, these these great moves of God we call spiritual awakenings. And by the way, we've had uh, some of those in the history of our country where cities and 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 uh, whole regions and even yes the whole country a, a wave of god's spirit will move across across a country and and thousands upon thousands of people be swept up into the kingdom of god responding to the gospel message that's the potential of the gospel it is fruitful that's the message of the gospel but he mentions also here the messenger of the gospel look in verses uh Uh, Let's look in verse uh, 6, the second part of verse 6. And increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So he says that the gospel that you've heard and received now is expanding beyond you. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, which was their teacher at the time. Our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Now, the description of the messenger, his name is Epaphras, is that he's a fellow servant. You know, that's a great description of a pastor. Never think the pastor's up on some pedestal. He's not. Now, he has a position where he leads the congregation under the direction of the Lord and is accountable to the Lord and to others in the congregation, but he's a fellow bondservant. There's no elites among Christians. There's no levels of people who are more important, more prestigious, no everybody is at the foot of the cross where the ground is level we're all servants and i tell you if we if we embrace that concept that teaching that truth about being servants and treat each other with love and respect i'm tell you uh, that's when a congregation really grows and you see this sense of great fellowship and love and warmth in the congregation But here he is a fellow servant. And also Epaphras is a faithful minister. The Bible says here in verse 7. Faithful minister. You could also use the word fruitful. He's faithful. And that's what you look for. You look for faithfulness. You look for faithfulness. Men and women who want to serve the Lord faithfully and be consistent in their worship of the Lord and their service unto the Lord and their going and their giving. Faithfulness. That's what Epaphras is described as here in this passage. Look at again at verse 7. It's worthy of reading again. Just as you've learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is faithful, a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. That is, he's laying his life out there to help other people. What a great compliment this is. And then notice the declaration of this messenger Epaphras uh, the, speaks about verse 7, the truth of the gospel. We already see that. Verse 8 says, the love that occurs in the Spirit. He says, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. That they had love. He's he's sharing with, with Paul the condition of the church and the growth of the church and the issues in the church. And by the way, all those things are true, right? We're all flawed, aren't we? Aren't we flawed? I mean, we all have struggle and difficulties and sometimes... Uh, Uh, we make bad decisions sometimes we fall and we need to help each other up hold each other accountable love each other and that's what was found here and that's what epaphras was talking about well well this is the foundation this is the gospel working its way through the congregation it's foundational to thanksgiving i mean how can you possibly be thankful What reason would you possibly have of being thankful without the intervention of the gospel? I mean, the best we could hope for is to to try to have a few joyful moments here in this life before we die and, and not knowing when that death would come. And as Ecclesiastes points out how... Vain it is, the vanity of working hard and building and then dying and leaving it all for someone that is likely to squander it away. How pointless that is, the preacher says in Ecclesiastes. That is, if your perspective of, is of the earth only, this world in which we live, and you don't see beyond it to a, to a greater day, what hope is there in life? What joy could you possibly by living if this is it. But men and women, I'm glad to tell you that this is not it. There's more to come, and the foundation for our thanksgiving is based on the gospel. That's the doorway through which we receive all of these great blessings, the faith and the gospel that Christ, who is the gospel, the living gospel, has brought into our lives you know found the foundation is important it doesn't matter if you are living in a mobile home or an apartment or a high rise a house it doesn't matter the foundation is important anchoring it down keeping it steady and solid the foundation for our thanksgiving is the gospel And if you're not thankful, it is because you're not living out the gospel. And your circumstances don't have to be perfect for you to be thankful. As a matter of fact, the greatest shining example of a thankful heart occurs when there's darkness around you. When there's difficulty in your life. That's when really you have captivated the attention of people around you and you can shine for Christ. I've noticed as a minister through the years, there are some people who are thankful and their circumstances are miserable. And then I've noticed there are some people who are miserable when their circumstances are pleasant, they're miserable. Be thankful. Speaking of the importance of thanksgiving, Henry Ward Beecher once said these words, If one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my eyes and search for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it And how would it draw to itself the most, the almost invisible particles by the mere power of attraction? The unthankful heart, like my clumsy fingers in the sand, discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day. And as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. Only the iron in God's sand is gold. God wants us to be thankful, not just this coming Thursday. When we gather around the table and we have all those delicious Dishes that have been prepared for us and we sit down and we we think about how good it is to be together at this special time of the year and we feel all warm and cozy inside. That's wonderful. But God wants us to be thankful every day and we can when we understand who he is and what he's done for us.